Success Beneath the Surface, hosted by Deborah Fell, Managing Partner at Chief Outsiders. Deborah provides insights specifically for CEOs from growth-oriented companies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Success Beneath the Surface podcast. Today, we have Dan Lackner, who's a Chief Sales Officer for Chief Outsiders, full disclosure. Last week, his name came up more than once from a great podcast guest, Charles Dobbins, who happens to have a legal firm as well as a multi-investing academy, and one supports the other. And during that conversation, he gave a shout out to Dan Lackner. So I said, let's get Dan Lackner on this time. Dan, you have an extraordinary career in the field of sales and marketing. Uh, You've worked in sales software as a service, in technology businesses, in uh, professional services, in consumer goods, all kinds of businesses, but all focused on coming in and helping a company grow and solve their solve their sales problems. So talk a little bit about yourself and let us know, how did you get from there to here? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me on, on this broadcast today. And a shout out back to Charles. I had a terrific working relationship with Charles over the past three months. Uh, coming out of that relationship, you know, we, we exited as good friends he calls me on occasion to check in and see what I'm doing and ask advice about what he's doing. And so I suspect this is going to be an ongoing relationship for the years to come. So uh, my background, uh, as you pointed out, I've been largely in the software business, but also in the data business, more specifically the syndicated data business. And if you think about what we do, uh, we really operate at the intersection of data and software and so many of these engagements We use software uh, to analyze the data and use that data to drive better decision-making. So I I joined Chief Outsiders earlier this year. Prior to that, I was really doing something quite similar, operating as a fractional chief sales officer. Not so much fractional. My engagements tend to be one year, a year and a half plus, where I was working side-by-side with the team, helping them work through all sorts of different uh, sales and operational problems. And just like a chief outsiders, my role was not to become a piece of furniture that was just sitting in the office. My job was to make an impact, uh, make sure that there was a carryover for years to come, and then move on to the next engagement. So coming out of those engagements, chief outsiders was a, a perfect place to land where I could do the same sort of exciting work and work across multiple clients now uh, across a variety of different industries all at the same time. So I'm super glad to be here and excited about the opportunity. Great, great. So talk to me about furniture. You know we're not going to just pass over that line. What do you mean about being furniture or not being furniture? Sure. So uh, I think it was a phrase that I picked up from, it may have been from Pete or from Art, where they talked about the fact that your job is not to sit there and look good and just be dressing on the window. Your job is actually to get in there and make something happen you're supposed to be a change agent in these organizations. And that aligns well with my personality. I'm not a, uh, a guy who's a fly in the wall. I tend to get off the wall and jump right into the middle of the process and try to make an impact as quickly as possible. So, so you don't go off the rails if you don't get your corner office and a cup of coffee served to you regularly throughout the day? No, I'm a hands-on sort of person. Um, I worked at one company and uh, the, the CEO of that company went so far that if you had an office with a door and the door was closed, then the next thing he did, he warned you once, 
And the second time he had the facilities people come in and remove the door from your office. And so that message stuck with me, get out of the office, get in the middle of things. So you mentioned Pete, and that's Pete Hayes, who's principal at Chief Outsiders and Art, Art Saxby, who's the CEO at Chief Outsiders. And now you just mentioned a CEO that you worked with and how, how they impacted you. Talk, talk to me a little bit about, are, are there a, sort of a number of people through the years that you've sort of collected great wisdom or they've impacted you in some way? How, how do you think about the role of other people in, in your career? Absolutely. There are people, boy, starting probably my second or third job that had just a significant impact, not just on my career, but how I thought about what I wanted to do. Uh, one of them was a fellow that I work with at a, actually he's a data company. More often, actually it was more of a software and a data company. And he came from, he was an MIT grad, but he was just absolutely focused on how data can be used to drive better decision-making. And he had these insightful meetings with customers and clients talking about how data could be used to drive better brand interactions. So this is a consumer packaged good consultant. So his name was Jim. Uh, Jim had a, a significant impact on the way I looked at business and uh, really my career tra trajectory. Um, boy, the second big person uh, was, um, well, one of the second big people were the people that I work with at Siebel Systems I joined that company in 2000 through an acquisition. Uh, the fellow I work with, uh, a fellow by the name of Richard Gorman, a tremendous manager. Uh, Siebel had a culture of getting things done and getting things done quickly. And Tom Siebel was just an absolute master of having a process-driven organization. So I picked up a lot from those two individuals as well. Process-driven organization sounds in some ways as if the process just makes it happen. But the process-driven organizations only work with a great leader and also with other great leaders like yourself who get in their roll-up sleeves and do the work. So talk about what role, you mentioned rolling up sleeves. What, is, what does that mean to you? And has that just always been your nature? I mean, did you farm the land as a boy? You know, how did that become in your vernacular? Yeah, well. Uh, the, the way I look at sales is sales should never be looked at as an event, something that just happens out of thin air and just materializes in front of you. I always look at sales as being a sale as being the consummate end of a process that started you know, months or, or potentially even years ago that resulted in a sale. And through that process, there are all sorts of steps that happen along the way. The idea that you want to do is to make that a repeatable process. And if you're doing your job, you're doing your job right, make it a high velocity repeatable process so that you can do it over and over and over again with predictability. Otherwise, it's sort of a random walk. And if it's a random walk, you're going to get random results. And, and that's not good for business. That's not good for the valuation of a business. For sure. And now it's time for a quick break. CEOs need help growing their companies, but don't always have the time or money to hire a full-time chief marketing officer, CMO, or chief sales officer, CSO, or both. Recruiting a quality full-time executive can take months, not to mention the ongoing cost. In these challenging times, CEOs need battle-tested growth executives who can help companies successfully navigate the uncertain waters. Partner with chief outsider CMOs and CSOs who will function as strategic operators to build and execute your growth engines. And we're back. 
culture. So we've talked about how people have impacted uh, you and in business, even perhaps, you know, been part of your vectoring into data analytics, software, you know, that those types of industries. How do you think you've impacted other people? Boy. For example, in, in the most recent uh, or in, you know, referencing Charles Dobbins again, <laughs> um, you worked with his people. I think day one, he said, great, today is my weekly sales meeting. Run it, please. So how, how did that work? And how do you feel you impacted his team? Yeah, well, to your point, you know, the first day, Charles just handed me the keys of the car and said, drive, which is great. I like being in the, I'd rather be in the driver's seat than being in the passenger seat. So I appreciated Charles' confidence from the get-go. Um, throughout the, boy, almost immediately as I got into the process of working with Charles, you appreciate this contagious personality, this the, the joyful nature that you mentioned that goes along with working with Charles. Um, early on, uh, we were talking about his value proposition, and I was asking him to, for him to compare and contrast it with his competitors. And so we started dishing on the competitors and how they approached the marketplace and how it was fundamentally wrong. And I said, well, tell me why it's wrong. Tell me, why do you say it's wrong? So he started going off uh, and pooling numbers and saying, well, look, if you follow their process, here's what you'd have to do in order to achieve the right uh, amount of wealth to leave your job and operate as kind of a sole proprietor of a multifamily real estate business. And so I drilled down on it. I said, well, how do you know that? So he started kind of walking through the math in his head. And as he was walking through the math, it became pretty clear to me that you could take that logic and you could model that logic and use that as the basis of a, a kind of a, a teaching tool for his customers. And so I went off after that meeting and created a very simple Excel spreadsheet and walked back to him the next day and said, Charles, this is what you told me in that conversation. Tell me if I've got the math right. And through a couple of iterations, we nailed the math. And the math was really, really compelling. It basically said, if you follow the other people's path of passive investment, you would have to own thousands of units in order to quit your job and operate as a multifamily real estate investor. And then contrast that with his approach, where uh, the math uh, ended up at somewhere around 10 to 12 units. So you had these two ends of the spectrum. Follow Charles' approach, invest and own 12 units, units, follow the other approach that everybody else was selling. And what you really needed was probably several hundred units, maybe a thousand units. It was just a stark contrast. And when I put that math in front of Charles and the rest of the team, we all stepped back and said, wow, you know, we, we never appreciated what a stark contrast it was. And I said, well, let's, let's bring this message to the market and let's bring it to the market in a scalable way. So we took that model and we put it on the website and we invite people to go to that model, interact with the model and prove it to themselves that this is the, yeah. this is the basis on your decision. Uh, that's amazing. You'll be interested to know that Charles repeated that value proposition in the podcast. He told that story yeah. and he was very passionate about it. So if you can create the story of the business, which is not a story that you made up that has nothing to do with the business. I think this is where sometimes it goes wrong when companies sort of say, hey, we need a story. 
So there's a story, but this is authentically real and incredible value that they didn't even realize. And so your impact was to bring it to the forefront and to quanti- help them quantify it and then give a tool to help their customers quantify it. So that's really amazing. And that's something that could be repeated in so many different engagements. I was working with a company once upon a time and they were struggling uh, creating a value proposition for why they should replete, replace a manual process with a computer-driven software process. And again, um, uh, excelled to the rescue and perhaps a little bit of Dan as well. And, and we were able to quantify the benefit and the cost savings. And the benefit was not so much to replace people with software, but was to elevate people into positions of higher responsibility and authority and use software for what it did best. And again, there was an argument to be made on an ROI basis that this was the way to go and the way to move the company. Boy, I'm hearing lots in there. If you're talking to a crowd who's concerned about AI, you know, or wants to know what they need to focus on in the advent of software and technologies, but that maybe we save for a different day. Uh, There's just so many great stories of authenticity and people impact both you receiving and you giving. I also hear in what you're describing that you really care about your clients. You care about the businesses that you're doing with, that you get so, you get locked in to them versus versus yourself. Say a little bit more about that and your, your philosophies and values. Well, I'm, I'm a people person. Hopefully that comes across in this podcast. Um, as soon as I signed the contract with uh, Multifamily Investing Academy, I got in the car and I drove two hours north to Nashua, New Hampshire, and had lunch with Charles. I, I think that Amazing. I think that person-to-person contact is really important. I've got a meeting coming up with a client in Charleston, and we offered to fly down to Charleston and kick off the meeting down there. I started an engagement, uh, boy, about three months ago with a client uh, based in Atlanta, but their head of sales is based in Virginia. So I flew down to Blacksburg, Virginia, drove to his house, and spent two days with him working through the whole process. Wow. So to me, the way you kick off an engagement and the way you build those bonds of trust are by doing it face-to-face. Yeah. Amazing. So the face-to-face piece is to be noted, but also just to make the effort yeah. to see things a certain way. But this is how you do it. And you certainly are providing great information to those that are listening up, listening up. this is how you do it. And this is how your teams, this is how you're showing the example of how to take great care of a client and nurture them and and add real value to them. So we are in an economy that is either going great or on the verge of a recession. (laughs) And so, you know, you pick up all the different headlines and, and you have soup. But what is your advice, regardless of the economy? to CEOs and their businesses, both to grow their teams and to grow their companies. Yeah, so when I get into these engagements, I have very much of a evidence-based process that I try to bring to bear. I'm data-driven, I guess, is a way of saying. I, every one of these engagements I get into, uh, I first thing I tend to do is look at the data. What does the data tell me about the business in terms of what's working, what's not working, where the opportunities are? why we're winning and why we're losing. Many times you get into these engagements and you find that the data may not exist or it may not be in an approachable format. And so people tend to uh, 
maybe hypothesize or go based upon what they believe to be the case. Um, so I challenge them a bit. I say, well, what does the data say? Uh, and oftentimes, as I said, the data may not exist, but more often than not, you can find the data. I'm working on an engagement right now where the data did not exist in Salesforce. But when I asked about, well, where does the data exist? Well, it exists in the heads of the salespeople. Well, how hard is it to get the data from the salesperson into the Salesforce implementation so we can actually do an analysis? Turned out it was very simple. And the Salesforce was super compliant. In the course of just a few days, they went back they looked at all the opportunities for the past two years. They took all that data. They uploaded it to an Excel spreadsheet. We imported it into Salesforce. And now we have evidence-based way of looking at both wins and losses to help the company kind of refocus their efforts. So, so my advice to companies is follow an evidence-based approach. Look for the data. Find the data to really improve your decision-making. And then make your decisions going forward based upon that. And that is a, a, a great word to any CEO in any industry, regardless of whether they're concerned about a specific function in their company or just their overall company growth. Great, great words of wisdom. And so one final uh, question for you, and that is what drives you? What wakes you up in the morning to get going? Boy, uh, every morning I get up at 6.30, so something's clearly getting me out of bed early in the morning. <laughs> and, and really, it's to, to get on a phone call, interact with the customers I've been interacting with, and you know, challenge them in terms of what we're going to do today, how we're going to walk out of today uh, better than when we started the day. And, and every day I look at my calendar, and I've, I'm just excited about the opportunities of engaging with all these wonderful people. Um, I started a project, boy, just a, a few months ago with a small client uh, to help them build a business plan. And this was the first business plan the company ever had to do because it's a nonprofit organization. And over the last two months, I've had the delightful opportunity to work with two wonderful, intelligent women building a business plan from scratch. And we're in the, the last stages. In fact, today is the last day of that engagement. And we're walking out of those that two-month engagement with the business plan that could be carrying forward through the remainder of 2023 and 2024 uh, and arming them with the ability to do it on their own uh, in 2025. And that just makes me really, really thankful for the opportunity to work with clients like this who are just appreciative of the time I spent. And I appreciate the time they spend with me as well. So do what you love, love what you do and be thankful. And I think that's a great, close for this podcast today. Thank you so much, Dan, for being with us. I know your uh, profile is on chiefoutsiders.com, Dan Lackner, and we'll have some uh, commentary and ways people can reach you uh, in the podcast note. But, but thank you so much. It's just been a delight. And I'm thankful, thankful for you. And thank you for the opportunity Take to work care. here and continue this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Be sure to subscribe in all your favorite podcast apps. Just look for Success Beneath the Surface. Chief Outsiders, part-time growth executives with full-time results.